figure out which button to push on my mic today. Good morning. Man, it's been an amazing Easter service so far. Man, I feel the Prince of God. I've cried several times already. I may cry during this message a few times. But, uh, man, I'm so glad we gathered together to celebrate our resurrected Savior. I don't know if you've seen in the news lately. I, you probably haven't. But um, in Israel, there's been the argument for years about being able to go back and redig up and do uh, archaeological digs on um, some of the religious hot spots over there, one being the tomb that Jesus was buried in. And so for years, they've not allowed them, but uh, recently they finally got a permit where they were able to start archaeologically digging and looking again. And a few weeks ago, they discovered they got about three feet deep with ultrasounds and you know, the new technology that they have, and they found a uh, buried body in the tomb of Jesus. And, you know, the um, controversy that is trying to stir, because, you know, if they can find a body in a tomb where Jesus was supposed to have risen, it could change everything about what it is we know to be true life. But I'm here to tell you, I completely made that story up. Because that's not true. They have not found a body in that tomb in over 2,000 years. We're here to celebrate our resurrected Savior. Amen? Wade was telling me a story about a husband and a wife that had saved up all their money to um, you know, begin to plan for future and things. And I don't know about you, I'm getting to that age where my wife is doing it for us, setting up retirement accounts and looking down the road. And so a family had decided, you know, they need to go ahead and start making their arrangements so it's not left on their kids. So they began to um, save the money and they bought a burial uh, plot, a place that when they go, that uh, their kids don't have to worry about where to bury them or anything like that. And the wife came home one day just furious, mad. And the husband was like, what are you talking about? What's, what's wrong? He's like, I heard they buried somebody in our tomb this week. And she said, he goes, well, honey, you know, I didn't think it would hurt anything. We, that was for our future, for our family, for our kids. And now you've put somebody else in there. What are we going to do? And he said, well, honey, it was just Jesus. He said he was only going to borrow it for the weekend. <laughs> what an amazing day today. To celebrate our risen Savior. It only took him a weekend. There's, now, this is a true story. There's a man named Lee Stobel. He was an atheist from childhood. He grew up in an abusive home. His dad was very physically abusive and beating and was abusive to his mother. And, you know, he just kept thinking, if I can get old enough and get out of this, my life can change and get better. But as growing up in an environment like that, he decided that there could be no God. Because if there wasn't God, why would he put his mother, his brothers, his sisters, and himself in a home where a man would beat him that way and abuse him that way? And so Lee grew up and got out of home and he went to college and he got a degree in um, journalism. So very good writer. Then he went back to college and got a Lee. Uh, degree in law, and he became an investigative journalist. So he had the mind of a lawyer, which were in trouble already, and he had the pen of a journalist so he could write out in a way where people would listen. And he decided that he was going to make it his life work to let everyone know what he knew, that there was no way there could be a real God, because if there was a real God, he couldn't have been born into the situation that he was, and been allowed to raise, and so he decided he was going to make it his life work to disprove Christianity, prove that there was no God, and that it was all random, and what they're, you know, they have no control, and there's no, however, there's no hand at work in our lives, and so he began to try to figure out how to disprove Christianity, so he went to some of the greatest scholars in the theologian world, and they told Lee that, well, if you want to disprove Christianity, you want to prove there is no God, the best way to do it is to disprove the resurrection. Because if you take the resurrection out of the picture, then Christianity would be no other, no better than any other religion on the world. It would be just another cult, something that people you know, had to try to work their way into being good. 
And so Lee set on his journey to disprove the resurrection. Being in investigative journalism, he knew how to investigate, he knew how to look, how to find and look for things. And lo and behold, though, in the middle of his investigation, he had an encounter with the living God. I'm here to tell you, you can't get too close to the resurrection without meeting Jesus. Because he's not dead, he's alive. There are four religions on this in our world that signify and are built out of personalities. There's the Mormon religion. There's the you know, Islam and they, there's Christianity. And there are four that have a person sit at the top of each religion. And it's what the religions are based out of. But the difference in Christianity and any other religion on this world, if I go to the burial site of Joseph Smith today, I can lay flowers on his grave. But if I go to the burial site of our Lord and Savior, the tomb is empty. He is risen. And the truth of the matter is this. It's dangerous. Lee Stobel found this out. It's dangerous to try to disprove the resurrection because you can't get too close to it without encountering Jesus. And then when you encounter Jesus, it changes everything. Lee Stobel had an encounter with Jesus. And it radically changed his entire life. And instead of writing and proving and disproving Christianity, he wrote a book called The Case for Christ. It's been a number one bestseller around the world. And it's all how and about that you can't disprove a God that is truly alive. And he's come out as one of the greatest Christian authors of our time now. Written over 15 books, seven of them being in the bestsellers around the world. It's amazing what happens when you meet Jesus at a tomb. Lee went to that tomb thinking that he was going to be able to prove this myth to be true, be false. But he found out that... There's nothing but a single truth in every single word in the Word of God. We're celebrating today Jesus and the resurrection because it's true. It happened and He is risen. I want to jump real quick. We're not going to take long. This service has already been amazing. But, I, you know, this is probably one of the most important sermons I feel like I preach a year. I spend more time praying about these messages because this is, I know... There are people here today that probably haven't been to church in a year or maybe even two years at this point because of COVID and the way churches shut down last Easter. I want to let you know I'm so thankful that you're here. But I'm going to warn you, just like with Lee Stobel, you get too close to the resurrection and it's going to do something to you. You're going to encounter Jesus in this service today. And you're going to be given the choice of what you do with this encounter. You know, we're going to take our service out of today, Luke 24. In verse 1, and I'm only going to read six scriptures, but I'm going to break this thing up a bit, if that's okay with you. It says, in Luke 24, verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week. Now, if you ever wonder why we go to church on Sunday, because... We go on the first day of the week. <laughs> That's where we, we as our, you know, there are, if you're, if you're one of the sabbaticals, you know, where you, you worship on the Sabbath, that, that's okay, but you want to know why we do that. It's the first day of the week. Uh, it's the day that Jesus rose again. Um, we put, you know, that's our thought pattern on it. And here we pick up the story of Jesus being dead for three days. He'd been hung on the cross. He'd been beaten. And he was in the tomb for three days. Normally on Easter, I focus in on the cross. But I felt like this year, the Lord told me that the message for us today and for you, it's not a coincidence that you're here. It's not a coincidence that it was so hard to get here because the enemy don't want you to hear what you're about to hear today. It's because today we're not going to focus on the cross, which I'm so grateful for the cross. Today we're going to focus on the power of the resurrection and what it can do in your life and what it can do in my life. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to walk through these just six scriptures real slowly. The women here in this story, it's talking about Mary and Mary. 
I love the way it breaks down in the other Gospels, how it explains these two women. It says there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Have you ever heard it in there? Because, you know, that lets me know this, that Jesus is for the sinners and the saints. Because <laughs> Mary, Mother Mary was a virgin. You know, the lady that you know, God saw favor on. But now, the other Mary that was there does not have the same past. As a matter of fact, she had come out of a life of, of um, prostitution and a life that would have been looked at that if anyone should get to have a life changed and encountered, this would be one of the people that would have been as far from it as possible. I'm so glad that God don't just call the saints. But he also called this sinner. Because <laughs> I've been the other Mary a bunch of times in my life. And you may be here today, you say, well, Cricket, I ain't a saint. It's all right. You can be the other Mary today. It's all right. And God can still do things in your life. But it says here that the women took spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now, that's weird to me. Because although it was Mother Mary that had known Jesus from childhood, it was also... Mary Magdalene that knew the forgiving power of Jesus and the the life and love that he had, they had walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus. They had heard Jesus teach. They had been there when Jesus explained exactly what was about to take place in his life. Exactly that, you know, he they told him that, you know, I'm going to be killed you know, for three days. I'm going to be dead, but I'm going to be risen again. But for some reason, even though the people that knew him the best, if anybody should have known that Jesus was Jesus, should have been Mother Mary. But still yet, on the day that he had promised he was going to arise, she didn't go to see the resurrection. She had went to put spices on the body. That challenged my thought. Because I was like, why would Mother Mary do this? Well, so I had to get started doing my research and digging in. There's a Jewish tradition where when you die, they take spices to the body for three days. And it's part of their embalming fluid. But it also has a lot of religious belief systems and tradition. And so... Mary and Mary, that knew Jesus intimately, knew all about Jesus, spent time with Jesus, had found themselves on the greatest day of an encounter of Jesus, not running and chasing and looking for him. They found themselves walking through tradition. I know this today. There's some people here today, and it's a holiday, and you're excited, and it's Easter, and you're going to church on Easter because that's what you do on Easter because it's your tradition in America that we as believers in God go to church on Easter Sunday morning. And I want you to know if you're here only because of tradition, I don't want you to feel bad. If you hadn't been here since last Easter, I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to know something that, you know, if tradition brought you here, you're in for an impact. Because just in this story, Mary and Mary did not go to the tomb to be impacted and changed by Jesus. They went there out of tradition. But aren't you so glad that God, even when I'm not doing things maybe the way I should do them, He is still so faithful to show up and be willing to totally change my life in an instant and in a moment as soon as I have an encounter with Him. So if you're here for tradition, I'm so glad you're here. I want you to be here every Easter. But can I tell you another tradition? If you look in Luke, the Bible says, And Jesus went to the synagogue on Sunday on the Sabbath because it was His tradition. You can come every Sunday. You can make that your tradition, alright? Don't have to be just on Easter. Because that's a tradition as well. But it says they went to put spices, so it wasn't even like they came expecting. It wasn't this great deal of faith they had in their life. And I can't believe that they had forgotten that Jesus had you know, said he was going to rise. Cause, but I understand this. You can be going through something so traumatic and hard and difficult in your life, and you can forget or overlook the promises that God has given you in the past that can make what you're going through so much easier if you can just remember. You may be here today. 
and you're facing something in your own life, your health, your marriage, your, you know, your job, your finances, your joy, just your sense of mind, your being, your, you may be in the midst of depression, you're going through something. And the truth of the matter is, when you're going through things, it's hard to focus on anything except what you're going through. And I understand that. Mary and Mary, Mary lost the love of her life. And Mary, other Mary, Mary Mother Mary lost her son. The grief they were feeling, they felt is probably all they could focus on. So they were just doing whatever they could do. And it was hard for them at that moment not to see what God had promised or has in store for you. I'm here to tell you, I know what you're going through is probably difficult. I've been through a lot of difficult things. And there have been times I couldn't see over the mountain that I was standing behind to see what God had on the other side for me. But God was faithful every time as I just kept going toward that mountain. If you're here today and you're going through something, maybe you can't remember the promises that God has spoken or given to you through over what you're facing. You need to know you just keep going. Just keep coming because the thing about it is, even when you can't remember why you're doing what you're doing, it's only a matter of time. This is only a matter of time. All the way through this story here, Sunday from Friday, was only a matter of time before God changed everything. So, if you're here and you don't know how to deal with what you're dealing with, there's good news. You know, in the Gospels here, this in Luke, it says, you know, they were going to put spices on the body and they went to the tomb. And in the other Gospels, as you read, it breaks their journey to this tomb a little bit down more. As a matter of fact, it says that as they were walking in that tomb and going in that direction, one of them looked at the other and said, what are we going to do? How will we move the stone that they had placed in front of his body? So now we find them going through a situation going in a direction, and they did not understand or couldn't figure out or couldn't see how they were going to be able to even do what they were planning on doing because it was impossible for these two women to move the stone that had been placed there. I know this in my own life, that there's been times I was just going through the motions in my spiritual walk for the Lord. And that's what was going on here with Mary. Mary, they did not think that they were going to be, there was no possible way for them to be able to anoint the body, but they were just going through the motions of what they knew to do, even though it seemed impossible. They had no clue of how it could happen. But I'm here to tell you, if you're in a point where you're just going through the motions and you can't see how God can change your marriage, you don't see how God can change your finances, you don't know how God can change your heart or change the battle you're going you need to know something. You don't need to know how. God does. And sometimes you're just going to have to keep going through the motions. There's been times in my spiritual walk that I didn't feel like serving the Lord. I didn't feel like asking God and praying. I didn't because, but I did it because it was like, that's all I knew to do. And I did not know if my prayer, I didn't know if the promises could change it. I didn't know how they could. I, if, if you knew how many times I would be going into a, a situation or a hard time or a hardship and I would be trying to figure out how, to, how could any good come out of this and I could not find any good coming out of it. But then all of a sudden I just kept going toward where God was going to take me or going toward where I knew God was. See, where they were going, they were going to where the body of Christ was. I'm going to be honest with you, there's been times in my life where all I could do is walk in the church door. Because that's where the body of Christ was. I didn't know what I could do when I got there. I didn't know how I could do it when I got there. But if I could just get there, at least I could be there. If I, if everything was going to fall apart, it could fall apart there too. So I'm just going to keep going. And that's what I believe Mary and Mary were doing. They were just going. Even though what they seemed to be impossible to be impossible. But then when they got there, this is what the Bible says. They found the stone was rolled away from the tomb. Man, I tell you, there's been times where I did not know how God could or even if God would. But I made myself keep going. That's why I'm here. Just showing up. Just keep going. Didn't know what I would do. But when I got there, 
I found out that he had done things for me that I had no clue. There were times financially that meant I did not have the money to pay for the things in my family's life, the rent for the bills. And I just kept going. And if I had a catalog of all the times that God would use somebody to come and say, man, the Lord just told me to help you here. Or I would go and I would need a word. I'd be so brokenhearted. Somebody comes and say, the Lord told me to tell you. I just kept going. And I was shocked at all the times that God, I would find he'd already done what I needed to have done. I just didn't know it yet. The story of Easter is that God's at work in your life, even when you don't know it. They were going, and they were facing what they thought was impossible odds. They didn't think they were going to be able to do what they needed to do. But God, and I love how many times in Scripture it says, but God. It says, but when they got there and they found the stone rolled away, they did not stop there. It says this, it says, when... When they, it says, they, verse 2, it says, They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered. See, so you, you, you're here today. You came. You, you've been going. I want to let you know something. You can come this far and stop short. You, I, there was a time I was a youth pastor, and I'm going to tell you, I was a dumb youth pastor. I used to do things on purpose when I was a youth pastor. When I was youth pastor, one time, um, when I had much more hair, um, I would use much more product. And I got up one morning and went to, it was a Wednesday because I knew church was going to be that night. And so I was going to work on a message I was going to preach for the youth. And so I got up and I didn't have any hair gel. So I went to Walmart. I had the money in my pocket. I was at Walmart where they sell, I use Gorilla Snot. I don't know what other people use, but that's the gel I use. All right. And so I got there as good and and I knew Walmart has Gorilla Snot because I've never really been to a Walmart. Then they didn't have Gorilla Snot because obviously a lot of people don't use Gorilla Snot. But so I got there, had the money, and the thing about it was there was a kid on a skateboard out in the parking lot, and I was like, "Hey, man, can I get you to do me a favor?" You know, at first he thinks I'm weird, but I was a lot younger, so it wasn't as weird as an old guy like me now talking to him. And I said, "Here, I've got five bucks." I said, "Would you go in Walmart?" And get me, I use Gorilla Snots in a yellow bottle. It's got a gorilla picking his nose on the cover of it. It says 316 back then. Now it's more. I said, but would you go in and get me a bottle of that? And the kid looked at me. He was like, why do you? I said, like, man, just do it, please, please. So I took my money, went to Walmart. So I sat out there. And I knew this would happen. No, I wasn't dumb. I wasn't surprised. I sat there. I sat there. I gave him 15 minutes. I gave him 20 minutes. Never came back out. And I know that Walmart has a back door at the automotive center. And so I gave it a half hour and he never came back out. I never got my gorilla snot. I know that kid bailed on his skateboard out that back door. But I did that to learn this lesson. I can be at the right place at the right time, have everything I need. But if I'm not willing to go in to get it, I can miss out on what I needed. And so, see, Mary and Mary were here. They got there. God had done a great thing. But it says they did not stop by just showing up. There was another place they needed to go. It says, and then they entered in. There's going to be a point in this service that you're going to be given the option to go farther in than you are. You say, well, how can I go farther in this building? I'm not talking about farther in to the, I'm talking about farther into the resurrection that Jesus has done for us. And so you can be at the right place at the right time and have everything you need and the jail be there, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it. That whole story could have been said like this. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And so here this morning, I can tell you, the power of the resurrection is still working. But not everybody receives it. And not everybody gets the benefits of it. You're going to be given an opportunity to enter in. But when you read on in this story here now, it says this. It says, and it says, and they entered in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. That means even though they entered in, they were looking for the wrong thing. They came in looking for the body instead of looking for him. And if you're here today and you're trying to base your relationship on the Lord, on the body of Christ, I've got to let you know, I, this to me is the greatest church in the world. But they got me as their pastor, so I know we got a lot of problems. And so if you're looking around at 
things that maybe are wrong or out of place or things. And if you're, if you're seeing those things and you're looking at the body and expecting this body to be the life that you're to receive, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. Because although to me this is the greatest church in the entire world, I know, I know we're not perfect. Because anytime God uses people to do things, is never perfect. But I also know this, that Jesus lives and moves to imperfect people. And if you'll decide that I'm not going to look for a reason not to, I'm not going to look for something that's wrong, I'm not going to look at why he did that or she did that, but you'll look for Jesus in the next few minutes. This day will change your life forever. Because i got to be honest with you, when Jesus chose to wear me as a suit, because that's what he did. We're ambassadors. We, everyone that received Jesus is a super. He chose a cheap suit on me. I always tell me, you tell me this back when I wore suits. If you can only afford one, make sure it's a good one. That's what I want to tell you. Jesus, if you're going to wear somebody, wear somebody better than me. But the thing about it is, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. You know why he didn't ride in on a stallion? Because he wanted it to be about the rider, not the ride. So if you're looking at what we are and who we are, you need to know. We ain't Jesus. We worship Jesus. And if somebody in this building has hurt your feelings or said something wrong, you need to know that's just their body. That's the body of Christ. But there is a head, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he's here today to do something in your life. It says they didn't find the body. It says while they were wondering about this, they, they, they were wondering, the body's not doing it for us. It said, suddenly two men appeared in clothes that gleamed like lightning and stood beside them. And in their fright, the woman bowed down on their face, with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, and this is what the Lord spoke to me this year. Why do you look for the living among the dead? It says, he is not here. He is risen. And that's all the reading we're going to do. I want to break that down for you just a little bit. There's been so many times in my life when I was doing good and I was, wasn't doing good. But there's never been a time in my life I wasn't looking for a life, a purpose, a something to live for. But if you knew how many places I looked that were wrong, how many things I looked in to try to find something, some sense or some purpose in this life, and it wouldn't be in there. I, I looked in relationships to fi- try to find this life that I desire. I looked in money and I've looked in other things. I know this. You can spend your life looking in dead places for something you're never going to find. There is no life outside of Jesus. And you don't got to be perfect to live for Jesus. What you got to do is you just got to love Jesus. And when you love Jesus and accept Jesus, then you find life that will change your life. But Mary and Mary, they knew Jesus and they were going and said, why are you in this devil? You know, I've looked everywhere. I've tried to find this life that people talk about or this freedom that people have or this joy that I see in others in a million other places. But I didn't find it until I found Jesus. And so today I want to talk about how it is he brings that life into place. I just got a couple points and I'll be quick. We've got about 10 minutes. Number one, that, or the, the life comes from the resurrection. That's what it's all about. Our whole faith is built on when they put their, the body in a tomb and he came out. The door was open for our entire lives to change. The resurrection changes. Everything. The first thing that the power of the resurrection does for my life is it lets me know very clear and very true that every sin and every wrong and every failure and every mistake that I have done or I ever will do was paid for in just three days. Because Jesus loves me so much and Jesus loves you so much says, for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. God sent Jesus here to pay for every failure, every mistake, everything that would ever keep you separated from God. 
God sent Jesus here to do that. And He died on the cross, the brutal death that He went through to pay for those sins. But on Sunday, by Him walking out that door of that tomb, it said this, that it was enough, it's finished, every sin, every failure is erased. Because you need to know this, Jesus loves you enough that if He would have needed to stay there six days, He would have. Jesus loves you enough if He would have needed to stay there two weeks to pay for every one of them. Jesus don't do anything halfway. He don't change anybody halfway. He don't save anybody halfway. And He died and stayed in that tomb and went, the Bible says, to hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And He did it and He rose again on Sunday saying that anything that you have ever committed now has been paid for. And if you will just accept what I have done for you, anything that you have ever done that you feel like can't be forgiven will be. That is the power of resurrection. Every sin, every wrong made right. I stand before you today as the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't stand before you as a perfect man. Shoot, ask my wife. She'll tell you it's the farthest thing from a perfect husband. But I'm here to tell you that because he walked out of that tomb, it means that everything now can be right. I can come boldly to the throne of grace and make known my petitions and the petitions of others where there are times before, before I accepted his price he paid. I couldn't even look up to the Holy God because I was so far and wrong. Jesus paid for every sin and every wrong. And it's proof by Him rising out of that tomb. And so when the devil comes to say, He can't forgive you for that, you need to tell the devil there's power in the resurrection. It says, when He walked out, the work was done. He would have stayed as long as He needed to, but it didn't take long. And you think what you did is all that bad. It didn't take Him but three days to take care of everybody. That's what He did. That's the power of that resurrection. You can be free. You can be delivered. You can be uh, brought back. You can the power of the resurrection. So what it tells us one is that you're justified. You you can be forgiven. Number two, the power of this resurrection. He had to walk through that door of that tomb because if he wouldn't have, he would have paid for our sins. They were paid for. But if he wouldn't have walked through it, he would have never been able to have the relationship that he wanted to have with you and with me. The power of the resurrection says this. We don't serve a God because He died for us. We don't live for God because He paid for our sins. We live for God and we serve the Lord because He walks with me. And He talks with me. And He keeps by my side. Everywhere I go, He goes. The power of the resurrection is, I have a power of a relationship with a living Jesus. And see, Him coming out of there means that it's not something that took place in history and now it's over and done. Him coming out of there says, from this point on, I can know Him. I can talk to Him. He can talk to me. He can be a part of my life. I won't go any through anything in this life without Him being involved. Because if He was still dead, He wouldn't be going through the hardships that I go through. He wouldn't be going through the But He's going through them all with me because He came out of that tomb. Have a relationship with the living Savior. The power of a relationship so outweighs the power of any religion. Religion says that you're constantly trying to live right and you've got to stop doing this, stop doing that, so that God can be happy with you. Relationship says this, hey, I want to know who you are and I want you to know who I am. As we take this journey together, we're both going to get better. Jesus is involved in my everyday because He came out of that tomb. Number three. The power of this resurrection, the reason why it is so important, it tells me that he had to walk out of that door because he has a future planned for me. You need to know something. God has a future for you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of good, not of evil. Plans to give you a future and plans to give you a hope. See, if he hadn't come out of that tomb... He wouldn't have went away. If he wouldn't have went away, then one day he wouldn't be coming back. And you need to know something. He's alive and well today. He came out of that tomb and he went away because he's coming back. The reason why he's coming back is because he has a future for me to spend eternity with him. And if I die in my tomb before he comes back... 
from the right hand of the Father, then He's still going to come and get me anyway. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise. He's coming back again, and it's my future. I am going to live for eternity. And you can live for eternity because He walked out of that tomb, and it's my future because the Bible says this, just as He was resurrected, we will be resurrected. It tells me what God has in store for me and what He has in store for you. And I love all those things. But really, I came here to talk to you about this last one. The reason why he had to come out of that tomb, I believe this is one of the greatest purposes and reasons in the first place he did it. Because you got to understand, see, for he came from heaven where he had been with the Father and been with the Holy Spirit since before the beginning. He knew what it was like to be in their presence every day and every moment. But he was born on an earth. And there was a season without the presence of God in his life. Now God was around him and with him and you know all of the things. But there was a season that Jesus knew what it was like without there being the presence of God in his life. Because we heard him say, I don't know how long that season was. I don't know if it was his whole life. Or if I don't know, it was just the, the moments on the cross. But it says he looked to heaven and he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? What that tells me is he understood completely what it was like to have an empty life. Because even if it was for just the time on the cross, God was absent from his life. And when you have God absent from your life, God is still existing and God is still there. And the truth of the matter is, if He's not in your life, He's been around your life, your whole life, working behind the scenes, working, putting things together, bringing you to a boy. You say, well, God's not, I've not, God's not been in my life. No, He's been working the entire time, putting things, that's why you're even here today. And you say, well, I chose to come here. No, somebody had to invite you. Alright, so he's been working through people and for people and around. He's been working, but the thing about it is, he don't want to spend your life just working behind the scenes. He wants to spend his life in your life. He don't want your life to be empty. But when you find a life that doesn't have God in it, then you find a life that's empty. And we know that Jesus, there was a moment that he didn't have God in his life and his life was empty. It wasn't mean cricket to have God in my life. See, in the garden, Jesus prayed this prayer. He said, Father, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, but your will. He had to go through it because the price had to be paid because me and you were born without God in our life. And so Jesus had to go through our punishment. Our, so he had to go through without God being in his life. So his life was empty. And the thing about it was this. When he was there, he truly felt at one moment I believe, I believe he knew what it was like on your darkest days. He knew it was like when you felt like no one cared, no one was there, when God was a million miles away from you. He knew what it was like because there was a time saying that God wasn't there. But then the Bible says this. It says, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. That tells me this. That tells me that he knew what he was going to go through. He knew there was going to be a moment that God wasn't going to be in his life. But he did it because there was something on the other side of that moment that was so much better and worth what he was about to do. And for years, I truly believed (coughs) that it was the relationship that me and you have. And I do, I believe. I believe that Jesus endured the cross because you and me are the joy. I believe Jesus endured the cross because he wanted the joy it brought him to know that all of your debts paid, all of your sins are forgiven. I believe Jesus endured the cross because he knew that there was a future and he wanted to be a part of it in your life. The relationship. I believe the first three points were the joy, but to me, I believe that one of the greatest joys in his life was he knew that if there was going to be a time that his life was going to be empty, it was going to be absence from the presence of God. He also knew for him to resurrect, it was going to take the presence of the Holy Spirit completely in his life to bring him out. I believe he knew that for him to fulfill all that he was sent to do, 
there was going to have to be an encounter with the Holy Spirit inside of a tomb of a dead body. And I think he so longed for to be full of the presence of the Holy Spirit again that it brought him such joy he was willing to go to the cross. Because I'm here to tell you there is no joy like the joy you get. They said there's no high like the high you get from Jesus. There's no drunk like the I'm here to tell you there is no joy like the joy that you can get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that when his body was in that tomb. Now, you got to think about the condition the body was in. The Bible describes the Old Testament that it didn't even look like a man anymore. He appeared as a dog. Everyone by things on the side of the road that had been run over so many times, you're trying to figure out, what, is that a deer, a possum, dog? What? It, it had been so mutilated. I know that's a gory thought. But the truth is this, when they put Jesus' body in the tomb, it had been mutilated to the point that it didn't look like Jesus anymore. It had been mutilated to the point that it didn't even look human anymore. We think of the pretty nice Jesus. But what he went through was mutilation. What he went through was complete disfigurement, complete destruction of a human body. They put him in the tomb. I've been to many funerals and dummy funerals where they had to keep the casket closed because the condition of the body of what the accidents or thing it had been through. Jesus would have been through a closed casket because the body was so mutilated. And so they didn't lay pretty Jesus in the tomb. They laid mutilated Jesus in the tomb. But this is what I love. The Bible says it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So that tells me this. That the Holy Spirit, on the third day, went into that tomb. And when the Holy Spirit went into that tomb, the power, says, it's the same Spirit that raised God, dwells in me. That same Spirit that went into that tomb, went into that mutilated body. And it began to cause things that looked like they could never live again. Cause that body that could never probably ever be used and functioned in any way possible again. It went into that body and began to fix things and move it in and transform things in that body to where that body was able to stand up and walk out that door. I'm here to tell you this. The power of the resurrection is this. I don't know if your marriage is so far gone, you think there's no way this thing could ever live again. I don't know if your health, the issues that you're going through, you say, cancer, there's no hope. I'm here to tell you, the power of the Holy Spirit involved in your situation in your life has the power to fix any mutilation, anything that the world or the devil has ever done to who you are. I don't care if your finances are in a wreck. I don't care if you've suffered mentally for so long. You think, I'll never get to be normal again. I'm here to tell you, there is power in the Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. It's not God's will for you to go through life empty. And Jesus knew that if I will go into the tomb, there's no way God would leave my body in this condition. The Holy Spirit will come and He will fill me up and He will begin to restore and give me hope and give me joy. There's not a dream lost far enough that the Holy Spirit can't put back together. And so what happened that day was that tomb was there and the Holy Spirit came into it. And there came something out of this tomb power to fill an empty, dead, mutilated body. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when my life was so empty. And I would go to different places and try to find a way to fill that life up. But nothing would fill it. I would be in places where the are looking for something that could give me life. But I'm here to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is not dead. Jesus is alive and well. And He will fill your life full of joy, peace, hope, healing, deliverance. He will set you free from any addiction. He can fix any marriage. He can save any child. He is the answer and He will fill it full if you will just allow the Holy Spirit to come in. But see, the Bible says this. It's that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Me and you have the ability to let it dwell within us. 
And so, if I can have what he was willing to go to the cross to experience, I would be idiot, an ignorant person, not to want to want to have something that was worth. It says to endure the cross for the joy. The Holy Spirit has designed this day for you to have an encounter with Him today. And it's available to you today. Now you got to understand something. That the Holy Spirit has to have a vessel that it can come into. And so the Bible says this. That I can, if I will confess Jesus is Lord. And I believe that He died for my sins. And He rose again. I will be saved. That tells me this. I have to be willing to invite or allow the Holy Spirit to come inside me. Now, when you usually say the word Holy Spirit, people freak out and get weird. I love Jesus, but that ghost stuff needs to stay where it is. If we took the ghost out of the picture, the body would still be in the tomb. You take the ghost out of the picture, your marriage is going to stay a wreck. Your health is still going to be bad. Your, Your... mental issues and still going to be a battle and you can't take what took Jesus out of a certain situation that the world had put him in and I say what do you say I say you know believing Jesus died for your sins is part of the story you also got to believe that the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead says because to be saved I have to confess the Lord Jesus and I have to believe that he raised from the dead it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and so what I do is I ask God to forgive me for the sins and mistakes that I made that were paid for by Jesus in three days because when he came out he proved it was enough and I ask him to give me that relationship that he came out to have with me. I accept the future that he's designed for me to live. And he's going to come back one day and we're going to live for eternity together. But I also have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit come into my life and become a part of who I am and what I do. The Holy Spirit goes everywhere I go and does everything I do. You say, well, Jesus does. No, the Bible says Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. That's what it says. Jesus said, it's better that I go so that I can send another to you. I send the comfort of the Holy Spirit and you will receive power. And so today, people want to accept Jesus, but they don't allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in their life. And so they still live in this dead living place, trying to live a life that God has available for them, but they just can't ever feel full. They feel there's times that you feel half full. Well, there's times that you feel low. And so it's like you're always needing more. Let me tell you, the more you need, you just need the Holy Ghost. And He will come in and He will fill you up. But let me give you a little news too. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit's already in you. But there was enough in this tomb. I believe that's just save Jesus. Raise him from the dead. But he's got a lot available for us. And look here. See, you can allow the price to be paid in full and be saved. You can accept Jesus and the Holy Spirit come into your life and be full. But then the Bible talks about another level. It says that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now let me show you what that looks like. See, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, whether you knew it was Him or not, the Holy Ghost is in you. He's there. Now, there's been times in my life He would be in there, but I wouldn't give Him all the rooms. I kept Him in the back bedroom. You know, and Because there would be company coming over I didn't want them to see. But there came a point where I wanted it all. I was tired of my life being empty at all. So I began to give my whole life over to the Holy Spirit. And I asked Him, well, fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. Take my whole life. Take my marriage because I'm messing it up. But He fixes it. 
take my kids. I, I'm screwing those kids up so bad, but if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, you know, they wouldn't have a hope. And, and my finances, my jobs. And, and so the Lord begins to take and lead every part. But then I realized this. It was more available to me than just being full of the Holy Spirit. I said I can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And see, instead of just being full of the Holy Spirit, baptism means that He's not just in you, but you're in Him. And when you're in Him, instead of God doing this work on the inside of you, and God doing all these things in you and work through you and getting you better, He begins to, not just when you go into a room, He's on the inside of you, and he's, you're in that room, and He's there too inside of you. Now, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you go into a room, He goes in the room with you. And when you're in a room with Him, while He's doing what He's doing on the inside of you, He's also doing what you need Him to do on the outside of you. There are things that, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not the same guy my wife married. I've gotten better because I have chosen since, I mean, the whole marriage, we've served the Lord, right? So I'm getting better and better and better. But my marriage is better than the husband I am because I'm not in it alone. I am in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit makes my marriage better and better and better than I could ever make it on my own because, see, He's not just in me anymore. The Bible calls it, I abide in Him. And so when I walk in a room, I don't walk in it alone. The Holy Spirit walks in this room with me. And He'll begin to touch hearts and change people or set up situations or give me favor or cause someone that hates my guts to for some reason just begin to like me again or somebody that, you know, said a, a boss want to give me a raise and, you know what I'm saying, for no reason, it's crazy stuff. The Holy Spirit's at work in my life, not just inside of me. Now my life is in Him. He's not just in my life. I believe that tomb was so full of the Holy Spirit that it transformed a mutilated body into a life that has changed history and changed millions of people's lives and marriages and finances and health and wealth and mental health and all the issues. I'm here to tell you, I'm only a miracle. Only reason why I'm here is because the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and I have been baptized in Him. And I don't go through a single situation without Him being involved and helping change it in a way that I can't change it on my own. I have power at work on my behalf. There's power in the resurrection. So what I want to do is I'm going to just stop right here. You say, well, Craig, you've done some weird stuff here. You've taken Easter and you made it about Holy Ghost stuff. Wouldn't have been an Easter without the Holy Ghost. And you might be saved today, but you're not going to be full without Him. And I'm going to be honest with you. You're lacking power if you're not baptized in Him. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit came in, it came in the upper room. They went there to receive the Holy Spirit. But it didn't stay on the inside of them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the Holy Spirit began to blow around in the room like a mighty force and wind. And then it says the evidence of fire began to come up on their head. So it wasn't just in them. It became on them. And it filled the room they were in. And it began to change the world that they were in on the outside of the room. Because the people outside the room started saying, what is that? What is going on there? What? So I'm not, I'm not going to go into the great theology over the next several weeks. We're in a series. We've been building up to Easter here. So preaching on be strong in the Lord. And because uh, we know this, that God has got great things for us this year. But weak people can't carry much, many blessings. You know, when you go through great battles, this is what they did in the Bible. When they would go, God would give them a great victory of a battle. And I'm here to tell you this. The church has survived COVID-19. We have been through a battle, but we have survived. But see, in the Bible, they when they won great battles, what they did was they would go back and pick up the spoils. But weak people only could carry a little. So you got to get strong in the Lord so you can carry all that God has for you. So we've been building this series on Be Strong Lord, but we're about to move. Because Ephesians says this, being strong is not enough. 
It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So, it's so one thing to know how to be strong, but you also need the power of God at work in your life. And the Bible says they received power when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So you need to know what that means so that you can, you know what the power of the Holy Spirit is? The power of the Holy Spirit can do things in my life that I cannot do. I am more blessed, I'm going to be honest with you, than I deserve to be. My wife is hotter than I am cute. That's only the power of the Holy Ghost. If anybody that married over their head knows that the Holy Ghost has got power. He can blind folks, I guess. And so he did Paul. But what I've said is, you need your life to go to another level. You're going to have to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's not a weird thing. It's simply this. The same way you got saved is you chose to believe and you accepted Jesus as your Lord. Same thing works with the Holy Spirit. You say, Creator, are you going to go weird on me here? No, I'm going to go weird with you. Uh, I'm just going to tell you what it is. The Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. And I'll say, you have as much of Him as you want. You have as much of Him as you want. As much as you've asked or accepted from Him. It's how evident and how involved He is in your life. If I choose to not let Him help me tomorrow, He won't. If I choose to ignore the fact that He's on the inside of me, I get no benefit out of what He's trying to do for me. But if I let Him be in control, the, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your understanding, that in the, all your ways acknowledge Him, that simply give Him permission to get involved. It says He'll direct your path. He'll begin to change your life in a whole new way. So, you want to know how I'm going to close this service today? Different than any, like I said, I usually preach on the cross and forgiveness. The Lord told me today that this, He said, even coming to religion, that there would be people here today that you're at the right place at the right time doing the right thing, but just like that angel, they, they were where the body of Christ was. But it says, why are you here among the dead looking for the living? You've not found this new life because you've not been looking for the Holy Ghost. But He's here today. And He's available today. And I'm not going to ask you to, I mean, i got to be honest with you, the Holy Ghost has never jumped on me and made me do all that church shake or nothing. He's never made me do nothing weird. I've been fine with the Holy Ghost. And, I mean, now when some people get it, I, I wanted to stay so far away from Him at times because some people would get it and I would think, that just went crazy. But, you know, you can give somebody a gift and everybody acts and responds to it differently, too. I can walk up and give somebody a $100 bill and they're like, oh, man, thank you. You can walk up to somebody and give them like, wow, you know, the whole totally different. You get to choose how you respond in the Holy Spirit. But what you got to decide is this. I'm sick of living without Him. I'm sick of living without Him being in my life. It's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And now everything that He did for Jesus, He's willing to do for me. And my marriage that was dead at one moment now lives. My wife has called me at least ten times today already because it's the first Easter. Me and her have not been together in 16 years. And we're not together because of different circumstances. She has to be in Alabama today. I'm here. But she is more in love with me than I could ever make her be in love with me. And that's not any of my doing because I'm not a good... I'm mean sometimes. And I'm moody sometimes. And I, but that's the power of God at work in my marriage. My finances are great. I was able to pay tithes today. And it's more than I thought a few years ago that I'd ever be able to pay. Because the Holy Spirit's at work in my finances. I'm not any smarter than I was, really. As a matter of fact, the older I get, the dumber I get. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything He gets involved in, He makes better. Everything He gets involved in, He gets better. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. You say, Cricket, I don't want the Holy Spirit. Then you don't want to be saved because it's what happens when you get saved. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you and now you have a new life. So I want to pray first for those that maybe have never even been saved. And you've been living your whole life without the presence of the Holy Spirit and you're just sick of being empty. Jesus knew exactly what you felt like. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why is my life so empty? Why am I fit so this way? And then when the Holy Spirit came back in, He began to live again. So you might be at that level. I'm going to pray with you. Or you might be at the level that you've been saved.
But you only got a little room in your life that the Holy Spirit's been able to work. Bible says, trust the Lord with your whole heart. You can trust Him with your kids. You can trust Him with your marriage. You can trust Him with your job. You can trust Him with their... And if you let Him in all those parts, He's going to make every one of them better. But you may be here, Craig, and say, I, I've, Craig, I've, I've got the Holy Spirit on this side of me. I've accepted Jesus Christ. And, but, man, I'm just lacking that power you're talking about. I don't really understand it. You don't have to understand it. He will not ruin you. Mary and Mary went to the tomb. Remember, they did not understand how they were going to get that rock out of the way. And they, it says when they got there, they wondered how it happened. It's okay. I don't understand most of the thing God's most of the thing God does in my life. It don't keep me from wanting the life. I don't understand how this thing works the way it does. But I talk to people literally all over the world with this. I don't understand how it takes the pictures and can send them to somebody around the world. I don't under, but I use it every day. <laughs> um, we live, I don't know how they do this, but I don't have to to get the benefits. And I don't, it don't make me look weird to use one, because every one of you got one too. See, it don't, you don't got to get it. The Holy Spirit don't make you weird, but what He does do is make you powerful. Your life will begin to work in ways that it wouldn't work because you're giving Him permission to not just do on the inside, but you're giving Him permission to be on the outside and be used. He will begin, instead of me using Him, He begins to use me. And it changes the world. So there you may be your day and say, I'm saved. I got the Holy Spirit in. But I know I want more of the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to simply ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and baptize you. And that's all we're going to do. It's not going to go weird or anything like that. I'm going to dismiss you. Then I'm going to ask you this. To begin to watch this week. If you truly mean that prayer, we pray. Watch this week. The way people begin to respond to you, around you, and with you. The Bible says that Mary and Mary, they knew Jesus. They walked with Him. As a matter of fact, they were were very close. It was His mother. All right? His mother. But it says when they went in the tomb and when they came out, it says Jesus was standing there. So they knew Him. But they did not recognize Him. They thought He was a gardener. What does that mean? That means this. That when the Holy Spirit encountered Him at that level, people were like, what's different about you? And there's something going on. Yeah, I found out. The more I allow the Holy Spirit to baptize my life, I'll walk into a room, and even some days my wife says, I, I find myself spending time with the Lord, I'll come talk to Jeff. like, what's different about you today? What have you done? Sometimes, you know, what are you doing? What you got going on? Yeah, she, she, she says, there's something different. She don't even recognize me, and it's not anything I change. It's just the power of the Holy Spirit working on my behalf. There are people that I knew 10 years ago that when they see me now, I was like, what's different about you, man? I was saved then, but what's happened is I get more and more of the Holy Spirit every day. It's not a scary thing. So I want to pray and I'm going to dismiss you. It's Easter. I want you to go out and have fun and I want you to get this. The food out here is for you. Please take it. Please use it. It's, it's a gift. It's for So every person take it and you say, okay, we don't need it. You know somebody that does. So take it with us. So you'll see when you go out what we're talking about. But can I pray with you real quick and we'll dismiss this Easter service. If you're here today and you say, Cricket, my life is completely empty. I haven't given my life to the Lord and I know that the Holy Spirit's not living inside of me. And today, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I want to ask Him to be my Lord and Savior. Would you simply pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Dear Father, I ask You to forgive me for every sin that I've ever committed. Lord, I ask You to let the price that Jesus paid be enough. I believe it was, or He would not have come out of the tomb. And so, Lord, I ask You to be my Lord and Savior today. I believe Jesus died, and I believe that He rose again so I can have a personal relationship with Him. And so I give You my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at me. If you just prayed that for the first time or the first time in a long time, the Holy Spirit came in. Now, let me ask you this. Did it hurt? Did you feel weird? Or do you feel good right now? 
Somebody tell me, do you feel it? See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Because it's the, when the minute you prayed there, the Holy Spirit came in. Now the question is this, do you want more? I always want more. <laughs> I've never had I've never I mean, I've never had enough money. I've never had enough fun. I always want more. I, I want more. The thing about it is I've learned this. The more of the Holy Spirit I get, the more of everything else I get. And it's getting better and better. So I want to just ask you, you maybe you're here today and you've already been saved and you would want more from God. I want to ask you right now. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. Just like He did that body in that tomb, that mutilated body that was torn up. He filled that body and He repaired that body where it could walk again. Maybe your marriage needs to be full of the Holy Spirit. Maybe your job. Let's ask God to fill it. Are you ready? I ask you, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to fill my life from the top of my head to the soles of my toe. I give you every part, every room, every piece. I ask you, Lord, to bring in your love, bring in your joy, bring in your peace. I give you every motive, every thought. I give you, I open every door to my life. And I'll ask you, Holy Spirit, fill it in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Now let me ask you this. I'm not, I'm not, you say, well, Craig, do you feel different? If you ask that, if you pray, do you feel that? I, I'm going to be honest with you, I feel that. Mr. Allen says about that. He feels the Holy Spirit. We were talking about it yesterday. You can feel the Holy Spirit. You, can, you know what the Holy Spirit feels like? Hope. Joy. Peace. And you can feel that right now. If you, if you truly meant the prayer, I know because he can't do anything but that. So you feel different. Now, there are those that may want to go a step farther. And they don't want to just be full of the Holy Spirit. They want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray with you. It's not going to be a weird thing. It's not, and I used to have a cricket. I'm not sure about it. Try it on. If you want to get out of the pool, you can. You can. You can You can quit. All right? I can I can reach in here and get this cup out. All right? But um, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, have all that God has for you, let's pray this prayer. Father God, I ask you to not just fill me with the Holy Spirit, but your word says that I can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So right now, Lord, I ask you to send your Holy Spirit and baptize me completely in your Spirit. I ask you don't just be on the outside, inside, but I give you full control of the outside too. Lord, I ask you to use me to change those around me. I ask you to use me to change this world. I ask you to use me and go with me everywhere I go and be with me everywhere I am. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. That's simple. And now check me out. You watch this week. If you prayed that prayer, you check me out. This week as you go and you live this life, you ain't got to fake it or done. Just keep being you. Watch the Holy Spirit be Him. People are going to start not recognizing you. They're say, what's different about you? I promise you. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit is going to do with you this week. God bless you. I love you. Happy Easter. We're celebrating the resurrection of our Savior because it is the power of God. Amen? Hey, you're dismissed.